0: All right, we're in uh,
1: Bellingham, Washington. Are we technically in Bellingham? We're outside of Bellingham.
0: outside the city limits, but uh, north of town, about six miles.
1: Okay, so the post office says you live in Bellingham. We're at Inspiration Farm uh, with Brian.
2: And Alexandra.
1: And so both of them have been in my videos. Brian more than Alexandra. So um, uh, we're... uh, uh, we watered around the farm a little bit today, and, and, um uh, uh, of course, uh, if you've watched my videos and listened to my podcast, I think I've mentioned you probably at least a dozen times in my podcast. Then, um, I mean, there's, there's like, I believe that right now, this is the best example of permaculture in the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, hi, Doug Bullock. <laughs> I, I, doubt, I doubt anybody from the Bullock Brothers listens to my podcast ever. <laughs>
0: they don't so, have enough
1: time. They don't have, yeah, they are doing other things. I, I think the Bullock Brothers has uh, traditionally been the premier permaculture farm. Um we were just out there. Um I didn't I didn't get to see Doug, he was he was ill. Uh although just as we were like in the car and racing to catch the ferry, then an intern came out and said, Doug's up and about and he wants to talk to you and it's like uh, and the and the vote in the car was, Let's go <laughs> So I didn't get to talk to Doug. Um uh but i i you know for whatever it's worth i i think that right now th- this is um the best example and of course you know i i want you to do uh, all of my projects here <laughs> and and you got your own projects that you're doing and there's things i want to change and there's things I want, and i've been bombarding you with all of my ideas for the last hour and a half and um but uh let's let's uh let's talk about uh, the things that are and the things and then we'll Maybe along the way, I'll, I'll throw in some of my obnoxious uh, opinions on stuff. But now, um, Jocelyn's kind of made a list. What's at the top of the list? Community. Community. Oh, right. So now, here you you do have a bit of a community. You have uh, two interns this year. And now, of course, this is the spot where we have the video for the 500 hot showers from one small compost pile, which was about three years ago. Yep. and um, And so you have, I see... From where I'm sitting, I see three houses, and this is all part of your community. And um, I think that there's uh, a couple of spots for hippie habitat, and then uh, and then you got one more place that you just kind of glommed onto the outer edge. Is that right? Yes, that's yeah. correct. We're
0: in the process of getting that habitable. All right. So um,
1: when it comes to the number of people on, how many people are on this land right now? About a dozen. Got to count.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about 12, 12, right pe- 12 people permanent residents. Did yeah. have to take off your shoes yeah. to count the number of people. All yeah. right. Pretty much. It, it ebbs and flows. Um, basically, we have uh, like th- three additional permanent structures, meaning people can live there all year long. Has heat and all the conveniences. Um, and then we have more uh, mild season accommodations for um, interns and, and uh, woofer type folks during the summer and other months. Um, but, yeah, we we are not necessarily an intentional community. Um, we, it's kind of been an outgrowth of our own family living on the land and realizing that, geez, we need more year-round people, caretakers on the land to help, help work and harvest and process food and um, so, over the years, we have had different people come and stay for various lengths of time, anywhere from a few months to normally about three years is the the normal long term duration and usually their family outgrows and they're ready to to move into their own place and stuff at that point so it's kind of been an organic process by who who shows up and, and how long they stay and so forth. But generally, we try and find people that are into the permaculture, into the working on the land, into the farming, into the animals.
1: Um
2: milking desires
1: always a plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, um, so first of all, before we leave the topic of communities, I think the one thing that I wanted to express is that it's like you said, not necessarily an intentional community. and And I think that the... Type of community or the style of community is going to be what is on almost every other farm in the world that's not an intentional community, and that's going to be that um, it's it's a type of uh, of dictatorship in a way, but on top of that at the same time it's not like you're like you've got a whip and a cattle prod and a and a forty five on your hip, and the people that are the other people on the land are all slaves or servants or. Yeah or whatever. Uh, we're not sharecroppers
0: and we we totally value people's inputs and energies and we try and find um you know where people's interests lie and where their strengths lie if they're if they're really into the animals then hey there's stuff to do with the animals if they're really into the perennial trees and other systems then there's space to work with that and there is a certain amount of just general upkeep of common spaces and stuff that we you know, ask that people do and and respect in living close quarters with one another. But, um, you know, we've had people here that basically don't do anything except for mow the lawn. And they go off and do their work and they come home and they hide out in their house. To people that are very involved and milk the cow and help build new garden areas and plant trees. And so, it's kind of the whole, whole gamut. And we have more people here involved than we try and do Things more like an intentional community, where we have weekly farm meetings and talk about the next progression and what we need to do. We've we've done, you know, uh, joint marketing things like starting the farm stand and other other things like that with with everybody's input. So we, even though we're the longest um, care stewards of the land. Um, We try and incorporate other people's energies and and be pretty open to um, other input. So we don't like feeling like the dictator, although we have the longer vision in mind. And and
2: And it it changes with who's here, too. I mean, each group has its own involvement of how things go. So change the mix, then it changes.
1: So the the thing I was getting to was to say that while technically, officially, a dictatorship – But what really goes on, well, okay, but, like, 98% of the time, it's more of a consensus thing. I mean, or or actually even, like, 90% of the time, it's more of an independent thing. It's like, oh, I've got a pretty good idea what people are going to do here, so I'm just going to go into whoever that person is. And then if anybody gets the thought of, like, oh, you know what, I'm not sure if everybody would be cool if I did it this way, then they kind of check in with others. So basically all the decision-making that goes down ends up being pretty natural, but everybody kind of keeps in mind that, like, oh, right, if um, if if I don't – it's possible that everything can be overruled by the dictator. So I'm trying to, like, figure out, like, how's the dictator going to go with this? And it's like – and they don't, they don't sit around and think to themselves, oh, I live in a dictatorship. My life sucks. It, it actually ends up being a very symbiotic relationship with everybody on the land, And it's like if there's any kind of disagreement on how things go down, it just falls to the dictator to make the final call.
0: Yeah, I mean, people have a pretty good idea before they move here what we're about, what we're doing on the land. And they wouldn't be drawn to this if they didn't have, you know, that that same um, feeling for working with the land. So – you know, if somebody wants to move in here and start a automobile repair and put in parking lots and all this stuff, of course, that's not what we're about. You know, we're we're about, you know, if you wanna graft fruit trees and you wanna put some more beds into production or whatever, that's that's more what we're about. But there I mean we do have a pulse of like the carrying capacity of the land as far as more flocks of chickens or more large animals. And we've had people that, oh, I want to do my own batch of pigs or this or that. And I'm like, well, let's just do that together. And we've got these other areas that we've kind of seen that's the next good spot for pigs. And, you know, so we try and not short-circuit people's energy, but dovetail it with, with where we see things going. And we explain why. And most people that come here, they come here for, like, not just the living experience, but the learning experience, that they can then take away a certain skill set of animal husbandry or or fruit tree work or whatever. And, um, you know, it's a stepping stone for them to
1: to go on to the next phase of their life as well. So now um, uh, I've heard a story about how somebody came in and they were doing some of that intern thing, and they are part of the community. And because, uh, you know, the decision-making process is nice and loose and easy, that, um, it's like, oh, you know what? There's something kind of like, uh, there's some strawberries over there, and there's something over there that's totally wiping them out, taking over the patch. You know, it would be great is, is if we kind of beat that, the bad guys back and kept the strawberries. And their interpretation somehow worked out to be to pull all the strawberries out. So, I mean, and, and it's like that happens. It, it, it's just part of, you know, things kind of don't always work. But, but I mean, at the same time, they could be sure that, oh, actually pulling that plant out is the right thing to do, you know. And, and it, there could be some difference of opinion, perhaps. And then this could be a case where, hey, you know what? Actually, we're going to go with what the dictator says on this one. <laughs> it turns out that the di- – you know, so it's like the, basically the, 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 the farm owner, the land owner, the the, uh, the lord of the land. And they
2: uh, don't always uh, agree either. The, the dictators
1: don't always agree with each other either <laughs> do you use a coin flip or something do you, do you say this this is my part of the farm, and that's your part of the farm it it, it, it
0: kind of yeah it, it kind of naturally there's a division of labor and and a lot of times it works out, and every once in a while there's feathers that get ruffled, but you know we work it out and i'm I'm always open to okay. Let's see what happens. Let's let's pull all the strawberries out and see how well they get rerouted. And...
2: I, I personally like yeah. strawberries, and I sort of disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about interns. Now, it, it seems to me like the one thing that the Bullock Brothers have going on is they've got – how many interns did we see over there, like a dozen? They had quite a few. They – I mean, and, and it's pretty obvious that, like, when you've got a dozen interns, why can you get a lot of stuff done? And with permaculture systems, a lot of it is, is, like, let's put stuff in. We're going to baby it along for two or three years, and then we get the bounty for the next 20 years after that. Um, and, and so at the same time, like, when you have animals, then it's like, well, you, you can't just neglect your animals. You have a responsibility to the animals. And even when you're doing a paddock shift system, it's like you're still going to go check for eggs every day. Now, now granted, with, with certain systems, you can set them up in such a way, with, um, when you've really got them ironed out and optimized, that you can leave them for as long as 10 days. But on the other hand, if you set them up to be moving them periodically, or you set them up in such a way it's like they need fresh water and they need fresh feed twice a day, then you've got to do that. You, I mean, that would, that would be irresponsible to the animal to do anything to the contrary. So then you end up with a lot of these jobs, and then it's like, okay, we need the we need the farm to have certain income streams, and so one of them is is like several times a day you've got your honor system food stand, you got to get some food out to the honor system food stand, and then also at times you've got people who come to the land and are going to help perhaps, or they're going to harvest, or they're going to you know and and it's kinda like somebody needs to kind of be with them, you know, so that things don't go wonky and and so um these things all these things require time and and you've got two interns right now, and um as opposed to twelve um uh and it sounds like after visiting with you guys for a bit, it's like having a few more could be a good thing. But now the one no, we have a phrase that we use uh, to refer to what what is needed, the ingredient that's <laughs> the phrase we use is Dave Bainline, and 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 basically uh, uh, Dave Bainline used to be my housemate, by the way, ages ago, um, and and so what happened was is that uh, the Bullock Brothers have interns coming through, and then one one year there was this uh, young fella, Dave Bainline, who showed up, and and he just turned out to be a pretty sharp guy. And really was more helpful than the rest of the herd, and and uh, and stuck around. So most of their interns stick around for two years. I think Dave stuck around for nine.
0: Maybe you could start a, a, a uh, intern college or something like that. Train, <laughs> train interns
1: up to be like top of their class. To, to be Dave <laughs> Bainline. Right, right. So. Um, Is he not there anymore? Um, is he not there anymore? I think he's officially part of their group, but I think he's doing like, he is doing more on his own, uh, but it's part of like a consulting firm, I think. I mean, I think he's going around teaching still and stuff like that, like teaching PDCs and like, I don't know, I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's
2: writing a book. He's writing a book,
1: too. Oh, right, right. That ought to be good. So Dave, Dave has massive plant knowledge, but, um. Massive fans. Does he have, yes, he does. I'm sure that there are many women that are in love with Dave. Um, I, I know that. Um, in fact, I think your grandmother went with us to see him. He was there, and she just couldn't stop talking about him. But I think most of her comments were, that that young man should cut his hair. That was your grandma. Yeah, that was your grandma. Yep. Yeah, but she couldn't stop talking about him. I think she was secretly in love with him. And, uh, Does
2: Grandma listen to the podcast?
1: <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Not even a little. I think she doesn't even have access to the Internet. Yeah. That's that's for young people or
2: something.
1: Yeah. So um, so I think, cause, because basically I, for all the people I've talked to that have ever had interns, it seems for every every farm I've been to where they've had good success with interns and they continue to have interns, I've found 60 that will never do interns again. And I think, I think it's uh, I think that there are, I, you know. In fact, I could use that ratio, one to sixty, for every recipe there is for success with interns. I think that there are sixty recipes for failure. And I think a lot of people uh, have an expectation that an intern is just simply free labor, and it's like, you know, you show up to the land, you do what you're told, and you shut the fuck up. Uh, and and that's not going to work. That's really and and I n where I grew up i I grew up on farms, and this is where I learned that in the English language uh a sentence contains a noun, a verb, and two fucks
2: <laughs>
1: and that's that's how you speak that's how it works um and and basically um uh the way that you inspire people to greatness is to crush them and belittle them uh this was farming <laughs> this was agriculture and um and then it's like take this pack. And go spray those weeds. That's, that was part of it. Yeah, it was the way that you manage land. Um, and, and so now, uh, so I think if you take somebody like that or that kind of scenario that I grew up in, and then you have somebody show up and it's like they're basically a volunteer, um, they're not going to want to stick around for that, you know. There's better things to do with your time. And so then that's going to be like a non-functioning situation. Um, now, at the same time, uh, I think a lot of the intern situations have failed because interns show up, and they're oftentimes young, and um, part of the youth package comes with, I now know all the things that are needed to know to do everything in the world. Um, and so I am always right, and if anybody says anything contrary to what I say, they are obviously wrong. And um, so then if, if you're I, – I know that on my farm – Um, I was saying that, okay, we're using electric fencing, and the fence clip is designed so that the electric wire, which is uh, kind of a mix of wire and plastic, can slide through the clip. So that way you can tighten the whole fence at one point on the whole fence. And I had an intern who was sure that what you need to do is you need to wrap the wire around the clip at every clip for the whole fence. And while we had this conversation six times, I was obviously wrong, and she was obviously right um, in her world. And and then she found that she wasn't employed anymore, because now all of our fence wires were were, were all frayed and goofed up because of you know. Anyway, uh, it's like this is this is you, you might think oh that that's just one person, that's just one one goofy person, and it's like oh no no this is the material you have to work with this is this is the raw material really
2: yeah, yeah.
0: well. You know, interns are definitely, um, you know, they they can be good and they can be challenging. And we've had most the good experiences with interns, and
1: it really has
0: helped us bring things kind of to the next level. But they're like, they're most of our interns are young. They're they're fairly inexperienced, and you've got to treat them like children, essentially, patience and training them up, and expect mistakes and. You know, for the first little bit, you're following them around and making sure it's done right, and especially when it comes to animals and such that, you know, they're not out of water, they're not getting out through gates, or fences are not funky, Um, they're not sitting in their own filth for longer than they should, you know, things get moved, I mean, on and on and on. And with the more complicated systems get, the more challenging it is to, to train up interns, because there's so many more things interrelated, uh, you know, in a garden bed, there's 10 things planted instead of one crop, or there's, you know, animals being moved versus in a one paddock for their entire life, they've gotta know when to move and how to move and all these things. So there's there's a lot more um, attention to detail and the ability for the, for the intern to observe and interact with the landscape versus just a textbook case of, you know, you do X, Y, Z, and it's good every single day. You know, uh, in, in a interrelated a system, you have to, yeah, you do X, Y, Z, but yes, if it's hot, it yes. you adjust, it's too hot today, or there's a predator around, or there's this or that, you've got to be able to be on your toes and observe and interact and adapt to the to the system at hand. And so, you know, we, um, you know, we've had pretty good luck where we've had Um, interns that are are wanting to get to that level of understanding, Um, but that being said, we've had interns that are challenging and end up taking more of our time and attention than, than we really get back.
1: A, a growth experience some some interns came to you and you' got a growth experience from it, <laughs> That's
2: it. Okay. I don't think it's fair to say treat them all like children, but in the beginning, you definitely have to have more care than after you get to know them and know their skills and how they think and stuff
1: like that yep right some for of sure. the, some i mean some people come on your farm as an intern or whatever i mean I don't think interns really a great word either because it's kind of like i I think that for everybody who comes to the farm um that they also bring a knowledge set and, and it, it does end up being a bit of an information exchange. Whereas intern kind of implies, oh, by the way, I'm going to be teaching you everything you need to know because you know nothing and I know everything. Um, so there's some of that. Um, and at the same time, <clears throat> some of them, some, some people who come on to the farm like that under that kind of thing already really get it. And they all, they, it's like, and it's like within three or four days, then um, you can you, you you have this massive trust level, yeah. and other ones it's like, uh, wow, not okay. not that <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. We have
0: a, a, you know intern is kind of a blanket term, but we have a whole range of people that kind of fall in that intern category. We have everything from uh, a full like all all summer long internship where they're really living, breathing, helping with the day-to-day, all that stuff to people that just come for a week as a woofer kind of position, and they're not really – they're just looking for a place to pitch a tent or, or, you know, hang out and see what we're about for a short period of time. To um, college students that are doing for credit – projects or, or classes like we had to help with the grain trials. We've had help with other um, specific things that they just come out once a week or once every other week and work on their project and write their paper about that and, you know, they get credit for that. Um, intern we're having here this summer, he's he's going to be getting credit for his time here and we work with uh, Huxley Environmental College To help um, establish that credit and stuff for for those students. So, uh, aside from them getting knowledge and work experience here, they're also getting their college credit, um, some of their requirements through that. So, you know, to people that just show up for a day, and then we also have uh, new this year a program called the CIA. Program. And that I've is, heard of those
1: guys. <laughs> yeah. They wear suits.
0: We bring out the CIA two days a week, and uh, they patrol the land and mm-hmm. uh, make sure we're not growing any organic food or
1: anything. That's, that sounds bold of you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think I would do something different, but you're a weirder guy than I thought. <laughs> so the, the CIA is a
0: takeoff on CSAs, community supported agriculture. Um, it's uh, community involved agriculture. And so there's no money exchanged. Um, I have two groups that come out for a half day, uh, one on Wednesday and one on Friday. And they essentially, um, they work planting, propagating, harvesting, weeding, weeding, whatever we have to do. Scooping out shelters, um, animal shelters, mulching, picking up grass, all, all these kind of day-to-day things, and they get a part of the harvest, and they get education. So these are – the fir- first group is a little bit older, more mature people that are wanting to do more urban gardening but really don't have the experience. They didn't grow up really so much around gardens, and so they're really trying to um, – the big urban, urban gardening movement is, is picking up, and so getting people some skill sets where they can – um, continue on that and then the Friday group is a little bit younger folks that are again they're in um in college and they just want to come out and get their hands in the dirt and, and live a little and yep like yep
1: yeah
0: and so and and with those folks too we we have them help harvest and process some of the food and sometimes they take the food home to their place and process it and then bring us back some of the processed food so like um sauerkraut or dilly beans or other things, and so that's a way that we can share the harvest and different people have different traits. Oh, my grandmother has this great dilly bean recipe that I like to do, or so and so. So we get to try different people's processing um, techniques as well, and then um, preserve the harvest that way through not necessarily having to tie our kitchens up all the time with all the processing.
1: So I i uh, I look at what you've got going on here and and i I think this is like my fourth visit here and um and I see velocity i see i see you moving forward and and a lot of the projects see a lot more growth um i'm i'm uh I'm kind of uh you know we one of the big things for this trip was the vo culture I wanted to get pictures of it, but it's like everything here is doing so well. That it's like you have this big green lump, which is the hugelkultur culture bed, surrounded by all the other green stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's like that's not the picture I wanted. I wanted everything else around to be suffering, and the green, the perma, the culture to be green and lush. <laughs> while everything else is like brown and dried up and sad. But right. but you've uh, you you've kind of beat me at my goals, you bastard.
0: <laughs> uh, you're, well, you're you're, you're getting to your stuff done. green and the rest dry. Then you'd only have like a tenth of a percent of the land green and the rest of it right brown we're well, trying to get more. everything green yeah, you know yeah. the hugo culture is just one little microclimate in the whole the whole system and so really the i the hugo cultures are not just hugo cultures but they're paired with swales and so the swales are moisture and nutrient harvesting all winter long and those are sub-irrigating the rest of the ground that's not Hugo <laughs> culture in addition to the Hugo culture. So um there may be a little bit different than, than many like set style Hugo culture r- raised beds on right. contours
1: or. So my, my point is, is that I, there's, there's definitely velocity, but I guess the thing is, is I kind of feel like if you guys had a dozen interns here or a dozen people here who are part of, you know, who are as keen about permaculture as you are, and 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 working on, i I would see a a greater grander velocity and and i I want that <laughs> now I'm not sure you guys want that, but I want well that. you
0: know we we follow the permaculture principle of slow and steady you know, okay. the right. the
1: minimal uh, that effort for the maximum
0: return <laughs> <laughs> fast and steady well slow steady fast it Different seasons are different. So this year, in particular, everything's green because we just had such a wet spring and a cool overall season. We had one week of heat, and that was about it. You know, it's now what the end of August, and we're back down to sixty-five degrees. <laughs> uh, so, yeah,
1: I I uh, I, I like. I know that you guys are doing a lot of animals in the landscape, which I think the bullets aren't doing. I mean, they've got chickens and some ducks, maybe some geese, I think we saw some guinea hens the the day that we were there, that's some brand new guinea hens. Um and uh I I just kinda think I mean part of me kinda thinks that there's gotta be I mean just from the people that I know of that I hear from I, I can't help but think that there's about five hundred people that would love to be here and and work. I mean like like right now they'd be willing to drop the rat race today. Come here and be part of this right now. And then the, the the problem that you guys would have with that is, is that you just there's no way you could help that many people all at once. So it kind of seems like what you really if you had a Dave Bain line, then then that would be like um, an, an interface. A, a Dave Bain line could herd the interns, herd the people that want to be here, and help coordinate between all of that and what you guys are shooting for. Yeah. And and then you guys you know can interact with him as needed. But then it's like then so many things could move forward. You'd have help with the milking, have help with, uh, um, you know, moving the animals around, the paddock shift systems, things of that nature, that, that you know, now you can spend more time thinking on where you're going to go to, you know, move forward, what's going to be the next thing you're going to plant. And then if there's, like, somebody who's bonkers about bees, then, then you know, yeah. they would take care of 90% of all the bee stuff. And then if you've got somebody else who's, like, totally bonkers about perennials, then that person takes care of a lot of the perennial systems. Another person's like totally bonkers about milking. And, uh, it's like, stop milking the cat. The cat doesn't need to be milked. <laughs> so it's like, but we'll get you another goat, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, the, the, Well, like, it's
0: what you're saying is totally yeah. true. It's just, um, you know, it takes a village to pull off a system like this. And it takes people really into their specialty thing, whether it's, you know, energy systems, animal systems, uh, plant systems, um, building systems, you know, all of these are part of the picture. And it, it does take that, and it takes also the management aspect. It it takes loads of time just to have the materials on hand, the food on hand, the infrastructure stuff on hand, and or, you know, figure out how it's gonna get on site so that you can take those next steps. So. It's, I think we've really been lucky in that we we have taken it slow. I see a lot of times people come into problems where they go too fast and they overstep their bounds and they overstep things and then you can make really you know big type one errors and you have to undo things and or you have to fix things um, and so we're we're ambitious but we're cautious and so by taking things in incremental steps. With, we've been able to move ahead steadily without making a lot of
1: big mistakes. So what I see here now is that you have a lot of food systems in place currently running with polyculture and and uh, 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 permaculture and, and biodynamic. You guys are doing biodynamic, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and so so many active demonstrations of permaculture. And um, uh, on top of that, I think that anybody who watches the videos with with you guys in it, uh, as well as listen to this podcast, will we'll get a good uh, good understanding of what style of permaculture you're doing. Because I think there's a lot of people out there where it's like they say they're doing permaculture, and then you go to you look at it, and it's kind of like this just looks like I mean, you know, regular garden. I mean, you got irrigation and Miracle Grow, and and I saw you with that herbicide spraying that stuff over there, so it doesn't seem like permaculture to me. Whereas here. I mean, the idea of herbicide is so 20 years ago. Yeah. And, um, uh, so way, way, way beyond organic. Uh, and, and so, it's, and it's really happening here. And it's happening at a level that, that it's providing a large portion of the food that you eat. And in fact, there's an, such an abundance that food's being sold and going off yeah. farm. And you guys are can't, but it's like, uh, there's so much food. It's like, uh, um, you don't have enough bodies to properly preserve all of it. Well, this is where
0: it's, where it's coming down to. It's like more and more of our time are on just, you know, preservation and processing aspects and then finding markets. For stuff, um you know we do have a, a fair number harvesting
2: of harvesting it it or
0: time. yeah, just harvest just picking you know <laughs> picking the beans takes several hours to go down a row, you know or or whatever, I mean, we do our annual crops, but more and more our perennial crops are just coming online all you know every year, I put in dozens more nut trees and fruit trees and and berry bushes, and they're you know they're all coming online little by little. And then you go, oh my god, what do you do with like fifty pounds of gooseberries or currants? Or now, now we gotta okay, do something with them or (laughs) feed the chickens or (laughs) yeah, right, right, which is really a strong point of having animals in your system because there's no such thing as waste. Uh, All
2: free waste, yeah, when you have pigs. Pigs fight over sour milk. That's nice. If you miss the cheese moment, well, you got pig food or chicken food. Or, yeah, <laughs> it makes it, it. When you have guilt around it, it makes it a lot less fun. So I like to have more fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So um, and then there's okay. So we talked about the CIA, which is just basically. And, and there was there was something that I was bitching about as we're looking at your farm. I was saying, oh, that looks too monocrop for my taste. Yeah. And then I thought your point was like once you said it, it was like. That totally justifies the monocrop. Yeah. And that is the, the CIA or, or um, some of the other people. It's like they come in to help or they come in to, to harvest and it's like they just, it's like they don't understand how to identify a plant. Yeah. And so it's like if you don't do it this way, disaster can't happen. So you've got yeah. polycultures all over the place, but then in some places you've got these little monocrop gobs. Which are just little islands, they're small spaces of monocrop, yeah,
0: and i don 't even know if monocrop is I mean, many people hear monocrop, they think of acres and acres of corn or acres and acres of of wheat or something these are these are uh, beds on contour, alternating, you know, beans or potatoes or garlic or, you know, so it's every three feet, it's something different. So this is a far cry from what I would call a monocrop. However, in a real strict polycultural p- permaculturist yeah. ideal... Yeah, that would be yeah. a, that, yeah. That's, <laughs> That's you. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, oh, I can see beans there, or I can see garlic, and... Yeah, because it's not all interspersed. Right. And this is, this is, you know, it, and many, many things are easier to deal with in that way. Um, so onions, for instance, are, are not very weed tolerant. They, they like to be fully exposed to the sun and, um they're just easier to deal with, especially when you're having multiple hands help do the, the process. You can go, that bed is onions this bed is beans.
1: Especially Everything
0: else, is... especially newbies. And it's like, okay, if you have onions and beans and corn and squash and all that stuff growing together, they're going to
1: okay. yank out half of it. Polyculture plus newbies <laughs> equals <laughs> the <badness>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: So it's all, pretty. most of my polyculture stuff, I don't weed it. I don't, if I see a big thistle or something coming up, I'll go cut that. But all of the those areas are basically off limits. You just harvest from them. We don't weed them. We don't water them. We don't. do, You know, you just let them do their thing, and and it's not something that you would let newbies or even our veteran interns don't even go into them. I don't even go into them that much. Well, you, you know, we pick stuff, yeah. stuff to harvest. But so if
1: there's if there's people listening to this podcast now, and I and they've like listened to all of my podcasts. Then um, and they say, "Boy, you know, I'd love to go over to Inspiration Farm and and live there, maybe for a month, maybe for a year, maybe maybe I'll start for a month, and maybe if things work out, it'll go longer, or maybe they'll kick me out after a day." <laughs> uh, but if you know, then I'm I'm guessing that you would say, "We'll talk about it. Maybe we can work something out." Does that seem accurate?
2: It depends on the season and the person and what else is happening in their de- life, but you yeah. bet. it <laughs> yeah. depends.
1: Maybe, and we're, we're, probably uh, not, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, the best thing yeah. is to
0: just contact us, and uh, online is the best because we're hardly ever by the phone. And just drop us an email and What's help, the email uh, info at inspirationfarm dot com.
1: Now, my understanding is is the total amount of time you put on the internet each day is about. Four and a half minutes.
0: Yeah. Well, depends if it's a big cup of coffee or a smaller cup of he coffee. He does watch
2: YouTubes every
1: now and then. <laughs> <laughs> you watch YouTubes with yeah, you and him. There's this guy, Paul. He puts <laughs> up some really amazing YouTubes. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. also
2: watches glass-blowing YouTubes.
1: Oh, and, and that would be another thing we should probably talk about in this podcast, podcast at least for a minute. And But, but that'll – oh, we've got a guy.
0: Oh, he's probably the, um, and I think the guy for Frank.
1: Yeah, oh. might take
0: a break.
1: And... Okay, well, so then let's, let's, we'll do a part two podcast in a moment. So that'll be, that'll be part one. But but to, to just wrap up on the whole intern thing, the the point I was getting at was is that, of course, the thing that would be really great is if you somehow, through whatever mysterious circumstances, ended up with a Dave Bainline living oh, here. that
2: would be wonderful. Because yeah. then
1: if you had that, then you might possibly be open to the idea of having a dozen interns yeah. here each season. Yeah.
2: and And also – interns, you know, it's a lot better to think about it in the spring than in the fall. Like, you know, we're going into like harvest, which is high intensity, but then after that it sort of gets, slows down into. goes into glass
1: blowing mode. Yeah. yeah but But spring for mode.
2: farmers is, you know, February, March. It's not like June, you know. Yeah. A, right.
1: When, when
0: the rest of the farmers are thinking about buying their starts and putting it in the ground, we already have been farming for several months. <laughs> right, because it's permaculture.
2: Yeah. Well, and we get a lot of starts, the annual starts going early in the house. Yeah.
1: So um, I, I guess the – and then the, the big thing is that then you'd be open to having a dozen people here, and then you'd have this improved velocity. Because I just kind of want your – the these two brains that I'm staring at right now, these two brains on this piece of land and velocity. And then I want to see what you guys come up with each year. Because it's like, granted, while there's a lot of really awesome stuff happening here right now, I kind of feel like the world needs saving, and you guys need to do more of what I want you to do, <laughs> so that will save the world. And and, and well, it's uh-huh. not us. It's all the other people that need to do what you want them to do <laughs> to save the world. Well, and I've got to video it and show them, and then they'll be saved and yeah. stuff, right? right. Yeah. So, um, but, but I... It's like there's, it's, I, I kind of feel like you guys are on the path to what I want to see and show and demonstrate and talk about, and I just I just kind of want to put a rocket on, on behind that and get it to go faster. Well,
0: I, I would <clears throat> say that, you know, it happens really fast. You put a little bit of intention behind it, and things can happen really fast. Right. I mean, we've been on this land for 17 years. It's really only the last six or so that we've really started putting intention behind a lot of our systems. We had a little garden, a little flock of chickens for 10 plus years prior to that. But it's really taken off. And it doesn't take that long to build soil, to put in fruit and nut trees, to, you know, all these things. Some of them take a little bit longer to get start getting yields, but you can gild and, and have your, your berries and all that stuff coming on like year one, year two. You're in, you're in production, so it you know for people to think that it's high in the sky, ten twenty years down the road, that's nonsense. It can happen overnight,
1: in figuratively speaking. So I think I think the Bullock brothers had the rocket. And they still have the rocket, and then they've arrived. I mean they're pretty much where they want to be. They're they're like at Nirvana for what they want. They've got their permaculture ultimate happening right now. Sure, they want to they want to put a little frosting on the cake. But, I mean, like, you know, for, for where they want to be, they're pretty much yeah. there. Whereas I feel like you guys are, like, 20% of the way there. Yeah, we've got space to grow. Yeah, and Hopefully. and so much that you want to do. And at the same time, you know, it's like I I just want to see, because I, I know what you guys are thinking about. I keep asking you and talking to you, and I just want to see it get projected. Now, I guess we've got lunch waiting for us, and uh, we've got a, a new person showing up needing help. And so uh, um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to end this podcast, and then we'll make another podcast, perhaps a moment, and cover some of the other things that we have on our list, maybe even during lunch. Um, all right, so if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about inspiration farm, homesteading, and permaculture all the time.